Good evening, everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming out. This is, uh, our, I think, our third New York City fireside chat, but this is our best attended audience, so thank you so much for coming out. And uh, I think you're here because it's air conditioning and you're out of the heat here in New York City. I came up from DC yesterday and it was like 95 degrees driving up here, so um, I know how it can be in the hot weather. I'm really excited to, one, introduce a little bit more about myself and what the niche is about, but also I have a very good friend. We talked yesterday. We've known each other for 15 years. It'll be 15 years this fall. But Amanda's a good friend of mine. Uh, yeah. Um, and uh, we've done, this is our sixth fireside chat event. And before I get into what these events are, I kind of want to give a little bit of backstory. I got a chance to talk to a few of you. But the niche route was born out of uh, a little bit of a frustration on my end. I worked with college students at Rutgers University for eight years. There's a few Rutgers students here in the room tonight. And I was always sick and tired of seeing them go from thriving student leader to hating their life. And, and whether it's, you know, they hated their boss, they hated their job, they hated the company they worked for. And I literally just took the thoughts in my mind of how to disrupt career development and started blogging about it. Uh, now, four years later, my passion project has turned into a grassroots community. We have 30 contributing editors of college students to people at the end of the career spectrum that write about the ups, downs, advice about being a professional and, and adulting, if you will. Uh, the other cool thing, it was two years ago, we self-published uh, my first book, The New Rules of Finding a Career That You Love, and this is what stemmed these events, is I went around interviewing people that had a really cool journey. Amanda's one of them. She was in the book, and she's actually one of the first guests that we've interviewed that is not only a good friend, but was in the book, and we're going to hear not only what we talked about two or three years ago, but now what she's doing running Don't Sit Home. And uh, so we like to do these events. We like to provide resources. The cool thing here is I have my friend Matt here filming this, so you'll see about three cameras. But we like to not only live stream this, but we like to produce this content because there might be somebody here that you think, hey, you should really watch this video or you should really connect with Amanda or hear about these other journeys because uh, we're out of DC, but we've done about four events down there. And uh, the cool thing that we're going to do now is we're going to build this community through a Facebook group where people that have come to these events can connect with our guests and the people in the book and, and things like that. And so I'm really excited to basically just bring people together because I'm a big believer in serendipity and I think there's going to be one or two connections here tonight that you might shake somebody's hand and might create some type of opportunity for you, whether that's personal or professional. So um, without further ado, please give it for Amanda. I'm going to introduce her a little bit more. Thank you. Bring, bring out Amanda. Give her a warm, warm welcome here. So as I alluded to, uh, Amanda and I went to Fairleigh Dickinson University. Uh, she lived on the fourth floor. I lived on the first floor. And we wound up having a lot of the same mutual friends, right? Um, but the first you met you the first week. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and uh, FDU was a great experience for us. But I think the thing that I want to talk about first is I am very intrigued, before we get into the whole don't sit home journey and you taking a leap of faith, what was your childhood like? And, and how did you wind up going from high school, which I know you're very involved in softball, how did you wind up choosing FDU and how did we obviously meet there? God. Um, so going back, uh, Growing up, I, you know, I was an athlete, so I was a three varsity sport athlete in high school, um, softball, basketball, field hockey. I also came from a very active family in general, so you know, a lot of my friends were going on cruises and stuff like that. You know, I was a National Parks family, so we would go to hiking and biking and kayaking, and just my parents were very much the, you know, the two types of people that are always like looking at you know, what the world has to explore. So it's you know, not going to these resorts, it's you know, finding that hidden trail or finding that, you know, that little restaurant or something like that that's just kind of off the beaten path. So, um, I just grew up so active with sports and everything that I just, I never did sit home. So, you know, whenever <laughs> I just got so used to that lifestyle. So, you know, it's, I mean, obviously it's a lot different now, but just, you know, even I, you know, high school, I you know, 
had was I never had time to even kind of sit still, which is you know for some people you know it's they're like I'm exhausted, but for me it just made me happy. You know, I looked forward to the games. I looked forward to being with my teammates. Like I just like surrounding myself with a bunch of people. So um, it just kind of you know the basics for <laughs> how I and, was. And where did you grow up? I grew up in Hillsborough, New Jersey. Gotcha. So Jersey girl from yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. So the national parks piece, the kind of always exploring. I think that's where the don't sit home mentality kind of came from. But what role did do you think looking back that college and, and Fairleigh Dickinson played in? in your role to now being an entrepreneur? You know, I mean, for, it was, you know, going back and forth, because a lot of people think about they want to go to a big school, they want to go far away, they want to do everything. My parents, you know, not being like, I was so good at sports, but I, you know, I played AAU basketball, I played ASC softball, I knew I wanted to play one of those in college, and my parents did everything possible to help make that happen. So we would travel, you know, I would have nationals, and they didn't care where it was, they would make it happen, you know, if they would... You know, they took me to North Carolina, we would drive to Oklahoma, we would do everything. So I thought it would be so unfair that if I spent my whole life growing up with my parents doing all this for me, then being like, going to college, like across the country, bye, you can never see me again or play again for the next four years. Um, so that was, that was a major decision on being close. I also wanted to be able to play. So a lot of people go to Division, they, you know, they play on a Division One team for four years and they never see the field. Or if they get hurt, they lose their scholarship. I mean, I was, you know, I was in, like, I was National Honor Society and stuff like that, too, in high school because I wanted to make sure, you know, I wasn't going to be a professional softball player. I knew that. I mean, I chose softball over basketball and field hockey. Um, but I, you know, I just I wanted to make sure it was a place where my parents could actually come and see me play on the weekends, um, that I would be able to play. Um, and I worked my butt off, so, you know, I was captain of the softball team my senior year. I was very involved, and it just, it was, it made for a perfect experience. And then even with FDU, they had a study abroad program. So my whole family actually lives in England on my mom's side, and FDU actually owns a campus in England, Roxton. So that was a great, because if I played Division One softball, I was not going to study abroad. So even my coach wasn't exactly happy in Division III, but I was still able to, you know, this fall semester of my junior year, be able to go four months, you know, and that was one of the best times of my entire life. So, so you not only were a student athlete, but I know you were involved. You did the study abroad, which I'm super jealous. I think when college students ask me what's, what's one it. thing you should do, I say you should study abroad. Yeah. Um, how did being a student athlete and obviously all the different experiences at FDU and the study abroad, how did that play into you getting your first job? Because I, I would, I think you definitely need to share your story of like what your first job was and how you got it. So, and how maybe being a student athlete played into that. Well, one thing is, is that, you know, I would, you know, a lot of people go to school and they only take the minimum amount of credits and stuff. I was a student athlete, but I was still taking 18 credits a semester. It's, you know, you have to balance your practice life, your, your social life, your work life. And even I was, you know, when I was in college, I was even trying to have that part-time job and stuff, but I had to find something to work in my schedule. But it just makes you extra focused. So it... Um, and I always wanted to go to law school. I always thought I was really good at arguing. <laughs> so my parents could attest to that. Um, so, I, you know, I just always wanted to go to law school. I never, though, like, knew what kind of law I wanted to do. But when I went to FDU, I was um, a political science major with minors in pre-law legal studies and history. Um, and then that was just going to be my path. I just wanted to go to law school. I had zero idea what kind of law I wanted to do. Um, but then when I graduated, I actually, I, I actually, I know I was terrible with internships or anything because I was so busy with softball and stuff. But that actually helped me because it just showed me leadership. So it wasn't actually something in my field, but I was like, you know, a captain on my softball team. I was part of like the student athletic advisory committee. Like I was doing all those side projects that maybe it didn't have to do with law, but it was, you know, building me as a person, you know, outside of my classes. 
Um, and then um, I took the LSATs, but I wasn't, you know, kind of, wasn't 100%, and law school's expensive, and you know, you don't, a lot of people, you hear about a lot of unhappy lawyers, so I was like, okay, well, I'll go to law school, or I'll, you know, I'll kind of take the summer a little slowly, I'll try to get a job, and then maybe if I got a job at a law firm, I could figure out what type of law I wanted to do, or if I really wanted to do it, and then if I, you know, was lucky enough, maybe I'd be able to figure out, like, you know, what type of law I want to do, and I got super lucky, I... Um, off of Monster years ago, I found, um, used to walk, work for a law firm called Frost Elnick. And they did, and I didn't really know a lot about intellectual property, and they're one of the biggest trademark firms in New York City. So that was my first, even my... Was that, was that uh, while you were a senior, or was that out of college? That was out of college. So I don't think I even got that job until I was... I don't think I started until the, you know, graduated in May, and I got the job in October. But actually, the fun thing is, I don't even know if you know that. I almost graduated early, and that's not good when you play spring softball. <laughs> so I literally had to drop, like, a few classes because I had to make sure that I could actually play. Because, you know, I was so good with my 18 credits, and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to graduate early. And so actually I had, you know, dropped some of my, you know, I, I, I even picked up, um, you know, I dropped, actually it was going to be a double major. I dropped my, my major in history to my minor in history, so it would be less you know, just could work out, then I had all electives left. So actually, my dear friend Marty's in the back row, and I met him because, you know, what political science major doesn't need to go take an ecotourism business class in Costa Rica for winter break? <laughs> so um, that was one thing where my parents, I mean, they were so supportive, and I worked my butt off all through college, but I mean, I met Marty, we were the same age, I met him, you know, that the winter break of my senior year, and that was one of the best experiences I ever had, too. It was a 10-day trip. Yeah, the other connection is because you, Marty, and my wife, Oh, yeah, and your wife, on that trip. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you did the law. How did you wind up at Associated Press? So I was working at Frost Helnick, and they were right next to the UN, but I was also still living home at the time in Hillsborough, New Jersey. It's not that far in distance, but it is a nightmare by train. So it was taking me to get about two hours to get there and about two and a half to get home every day. And then I was like, why not just try to start an MBA in international business in my spare time? So I literally was going to work, going to, um, going to class, going home, and my days were starting at 5.30 in the morning, and I wasn't getting home until 10 o'clock at night. And that's a lot when you're, you know, what, 23, I guess. So um, I got, so I just started looking around for jobs. Like, I didn't, it was a great job, but my commute was, you know, I wasn't in a place to move yet. Um, I found my job in Westfield, and then I did the opposite. I moved to Hoboken, so my commute was actually super easy. And I was there, and that's when I was like, you know what? I love intellectual property. I've really learned a lot in the past two years. I was working with some of the best lawyers in the country with it. And then I finally was like, you know, I should, I, I don't know, because the economy tanked. You know, there's a lot of unemployed lawyers that were out there. Everyone's in just, you know, thousands of dollars in debt. I, I don't know if I want to do this because then it's, you know, three more years. I don't know. I mean, I would probably have had a job at my old law firm, but I just kind of wanted, I felt like there was something more for me to do. But I didn't know what, I knew I liked that kind of law, but I didn't want to be a paralegal forever. And then I just kind of put my resume out there and I just altered my resume in probably like 40 different ways and just trying to, you know, I would see a job online that was like had a little bit of intellectual property and I would try to tailor my resume to be that kind of job. So if it was, you know, I could put things with intellectual property and trademarks because I didn't at the time didn't know anything about copyright really, barely, um, everything needs to be trademarked. So you can be at any kind of company, any kind of product, and you don't need to be an expert in that product. You just need to be an expert in kind of like the way the law works. And you're, if you're, but I wanted to be in-house. I knew no more law firms for me. If I wasn't going to be a lawyer, 
I wanted to work at a company. So I started throwing my resume out there to a lot of people. I mean, I, you know, from Google to cosmetics companies to, you know, clothing brands to everything. Like you really, like the world is your oyster because I realized when I was working at the law firms, our clients were celebrities, were pharmaceutical companies, were, you know, I worked with Tiffany's and Chanel and I was working with a lot of bigger companies because everything from, like, everything needs to be trademarked in a lot of different ways. Like, Tiffany actually probably don't know, like, the blue is actually trademarked for them. So you can actually, like, some companies actually can even, color, like, trademark the color, which is, you can, it's a crazy world that a lot of people don't know about. But then I got, I got my call from Associated Press. That was a monster job, too. So and you applied <laughs> online. Applied online. So you went the traditional route, applied online. Applied online. I kind of was like, not a rush, I had a good job, I was making decent money, but you know, but I was just throwing it out there. And they called me about four weeks later and said, you know, I had the phone conversation. And then they're like, we want you to come in. And then I didn't hear anything for doing. weeks. So I was like, okay, well, you know, that was, I didn't get it. They called me and they wanted me to have an interview. So I came in and they had told me, I think it was about 200 people applied for that job. They called back 20. And then they only brought back three. So then when I, I went for the job, and then it was like another two weeks, and I didn't hear a word. And I was like, well, I guess I didn't do it because for that job, I really was not qualified, and I completely own it because it was mostly copyright. Because so, I mean, I don't know if everyone knows all about the Associated Press because you don't, you know, you can see Associated Press content in a lot of different places where, you, places where you wouldn't realize it's Associated Press content. Like you could be looking at NewYorkTimes.com, but it might be an AP photo, or it might be an AP article, or it might be a video. Or you might be watching a clip of like NBC or something, and it's um, you know some some sort of content. They're a content provider. They're not really, you know, they're not really providing you with like an AP newspaper or something. Um, and so I emailed I emailed the person who interviewed me, and I was like, oh, you know, I'm really I'm really sorry. You know, I guess you know if it didn't work out, you know, thank you for having me or whatever. And she's like, oh no no no, I was on vacation. Are you available tomorrow? <laughs> so I went to AP and I got the job. And she even when she she took me around to introduce me to everyone, she was like, I don't know. She doesn't know because people started asking me about my copyright background and I was more of trademarks. And she was like, she she'll learn it. <laughs> that was what she did. And my boss was actually I got along really well with her because I came from kind of a non-traditional background. And she actually used to be a soap opera actress on our time like another world or something but um but she ended up going to law school and was a general counsel for for associated press so um yeah that's cool what did, so you you kind of made a decision at 22 23 that law firm and, and the legal side wasn't for you what advice would you share with a 23 or 24 year old now that said i took a job out of college uh, but i'm not feeling it what advice because i feel like so many people settle or so many people are practical what would your advice be to somebody, because you obviously took a leap of faith and, and you, you, you got into Associated Press, but what, did, what would you tell somebody that feels stuck and they don't do anything about it? So even just look at what's out there, because even for me, I mean, I, I you know, I kind of, even I took, the, I took the LSATs and like I could have that as a backup plan, like I, I, I did find that I knew that wouldn't be an option, but just to kind of like look what else is out there. So even I have a friend, dear friend right now, she's my age too, like see, it's, I don't even think it matters if you're right out of college or if you're 33 or 43 or whatever, it's just to not kind of think that anything's out of your wheelhouse because you don't know. Um, the fact that, you know, I was only really qualified for a small percentage of that job, but I looked into the other aspects of the job and figured out like, well, I can do that if they just someone teaches me, or if you could do your homework and even go into the interview and just be honest. Like you can't, like you know, when people say fake it till you make it, I say like kind, like half and half. Like you can fake it, but then if someone really, you can't pretend you're an expert. You can you can say that you you know you 
you're learning it or you're trying to figure it out. But if you're coming out of college and that's your path, I wouldn't be stuck in that, like, that's what you have to do. Or if it's because your your parent's a lawyer, your you know, sister's a lawyer, or like, stuff like that, you can just always do something different. I don't think that everyone should just, like, quit their job. being like, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to stop. But, you know, even if you get into your first job, you can just start looking at what else is out there. So Yeah, that's good. So you worked for Associated Press. When, when, do you remember like when Don't Sit Home was born and like how was it born? Uh, when was it started? Well, I, my timing was terrible because it was the Friday before Hurricane Sandy. So it was literally that Friday and Hurricane Sandy hit on Monday. So I didn't, see, I didn't tell anyone. I kind of just like thought of the name. So I was always just talking to my mom about, I was like, I want to do something. I loved my job. I and mean, like, don't get me wrong, I love the Associated Press. I'm still very close with them. I go in and visit all the time. And people always ask, like, are you coming back? I'm like, no, I just miss you guys. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I just, like, you know, I didn't tell anyone about it. And then it became, it, you know, Hurricane Sandy hit and Hoboken. I mean, you saw, like, probably saw the pictures of, like, the yellow caps and everything. Like, Hoboken was hammered by Sandy. Obviously, or certain areas in New York City, too. But I kind of just, it kind of just changed my focus, so I never told anything. The only two people that knew about it was my parents, so I had only written one blog post. I had reserved all the names for social media and everything, and then just kind of didn't say anything. I was displaced because the trains were out, staying with my friends. Um, and then around Thanksgiving, I started just writing some blog posts and, you know, just, you know, throwing things out there. I thought it would be, I'm very active, and I was always that friend kind of that thought about, like, the cool things, or find, like, you know, those unique, you know, instances that were, like, events and stuff. So I thought it'd be a good way to like put it out there for my friends, being like, hey, who wants to do this and stuff, having to text everyone or explain what it is. Like if I just have a link out there, they can read the description themselves. Um, where it was also like, if I started blogging, I'd be able to document my own life because I just kind of wanted, you know, I live in such a densely populated area with such an enormous amount of things to do. But I thought it would just be a fun way to kind of explore it all and trying to even get my friends to um, just do it with me or just in general I just trying to inspire people just to go out and like live the best life possible because you know I think about an area and even like oh, I mean a lot of people are from New York City in general I mean a lot of people just go to bars a lot of people just you know that kind of stuff and I, I'm very much like a big believer in a balanced lifestyle so um, yeah so then sorry because that was also what, what, so that was 2011 or 12? 12 12 fall 2012 um, but I didn't really do anything, so I had never told anyone. I remember, actually, Marty's old roommate, I remember, was my hit my 50th Facebook like. And like I said, even though it was just like friends, and you know, some people would be like, oh, check this out, it's my friend's, you know, blog or anything, follower, but it's just supposed to be a side fun thing. <laughs> so at any point, because I feel like there's people either watching or in the room that, uh, and we were talking about this earlier with a few people, it's like people have a side hustle. Yeah. But you said, like, you didn't really talk about it, you use social media a little bit. Was there any point that you decided to, to kind of switch that where you were more vocal about it? Uh, maybe you told the people at Associated Press, like, or were you nervous that like your full-time job interfered with the oh, don't I didn't tell anyone work? at AP. Okay. <laughs> so, um, well, the one thing is that you actually weren't supposed, so it's a media company, so you're actually really not supposed to even have it. Like, I mean, it's when like one thing and all this fake news and everything, and I don't care what side the political anything you are on, AP is a very neutral news site. So even the fact that they didn't want people even on their personal Facebook pages to post something because they didn't want it to seem like you know AP was going on a different way. 
obviously if I'm doing, I was doing more of like, let's go on this cupcake walking tour and that like, you know, I still don't get political with my, with my don'ts at home. But I kind of kept it under wraps because I didn't know what I wanted to do with it. I didn't want them even also thinking that I was taking time away from Associated Press to go towards that. Um, and I was also busy with social media at AP. So even my first Twitter account, I went into kicking and screaming because I did all the social media takedowns at AP. So actually even what I, actually I should probably say what I did at AP. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I used to manage their global and actual property portfolio. So um, copyrights and trademarks, and I did enforcement work. So let's say you know someone used, printed an Associated Press photo without a license. I would, you know, through the cease and desist, or either we would have them take it down, or we would try to meet them as a customer, because I mean, that was the end goal for a lot of things. But maybe if it's a really negative, you know, blo political block, we're not going to be like, hey, be our customer. Because we're, no, we're not, they're not going to be. Um, but I also did social media takedown. So a lot of people would try to pretend like they're the Associated Press, like, you know, they would do like at AP News, which you can't do that because it's trademarks. And so I would have to do my Twitter accounts to be able to go, you know, talk to Twitter or you know, go through Facebook or then Instagram being like, hey, this person's using our, you know, tweeting our photos, has this account that's, you know, trying to play it off as Associated Press. Um, so that's when I even Twitter, I mean, now I, I actually love Twitter, even though I don't use it as much, but I remember I would even got on and I was like, I don't even know what to do with this. <laughs> So <laughs> you're the social media queen now, which is I think what I want to get into in a few minutes. Uh, was there a moment with the side hustle and working at AP that there was something that happened with Don't Sit Home that you were like, shoot, like I could do this full time or I want to do this full time? Because I feel like so many people then get into that gray area of like, I don't know if I can make money off of it. I don't know if I can do it full time. So was there a moment that you're like, I think I might quit my job. Well, I think it's like when I, people just started following or caring. So I never really thought in a million years that people would actually care about what I was having to say. Like, I did it more for myself, not for other people. Uh, I mean, I wanted to inspire people, but I didn't know if anyone would really pay attention. I remember even, like, on Facebook, I would get, you know, someone would come and be like, I'll do that with you. And I'm like, I don't know you. Okay, so more people are like, you know, like me, like, this girl's like, I'll have this cupcake walking tour with you. And I'm like, I don't know you, but, like, you know, I was putting those ideas out. But then when people were starting to ask me to go, you know, coming to events even just during the day, like, during the week, it's like I have a job. And a lot of people didn't know I had a full-time job. Or they would ask me, like, to help with their social media or ask me to do advertising. And, like, I had a very, I mean, I worked in legal. I have a very, you know, I had long hours. I was very busy at AP. Um, and it's just kind of... It's like, okay, well, you know, I'm getting these business opportunities and I can't use them. That's annoying. But, you know, I love my job. Um, and then I even, like, towards the end, you know, there was a lot of changes that were made at AP. And I got offered a promotion. And that's kind of, because even there were some of the changes. I was going back and forth about it. And then, um, you know, I, when I finally got offered a promotion, that's when I said, I, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I'm just going to leave. Like, I, you know, like, I love you. Like, I, you know, and I left on great terms. Even I remember, it's like my job was, I wasn't a lawyer, um, but I was, you know, like paralegals and secretaries and like lawyers and general counsel. And there was like me. <laughs> so my, my direct boss is general counsel. My other boss is the CEO. So even I remember my last day at AP, I was like crying in the CEO's office. He's like, usually people are in here crying for different reasons because I was so torn. <laughs> I feel like that story right there, a lot of people would be like, I, you know, so you you transferred once into a AP and doing a little bit more copyright law. Seems like you, I mean, you were thriving, but you were offered a promotion and you kind of just alluded to you turned it down, yeah. right? What um, was, how did that feel? Did you feel like you made the right, I mean, I now it feels like you made the right decision, but in the moment, what was that like? I was just torn because when I went to Associated Press, what I loved about my job is that I didn't just work with the lawyers, I worked with everyone. So I think that really 
formed me in like kind of like the business person I am because you know maybe one day I'm working with the marketing department and they're trying you know I one of my projects was I was doing like the trademark research because they wanted to name like a you know a photo agency a side photo agency for AP so I'm working with the marketing people and some of the photographers and the photo desk and stuff and maybe one day it's, you know someone used our photo without permission and then I'm working with the sales department trying to make that person a customer or then maybe maybe Associated Press did take a photo or a video and they didn't really have the rights to. And so I'm working with you know the videographers, the journalists and stuff like that to try to figure out how they, you know, suggested this, you know, what they actually had the rights to, reading over the contracts and everything. And I just got such a well balance that every single day something was new. And also the fact that Associated Press is all around the world. So I literally every day was like, who am I talking to today? Or, you know, getting into the office so I could have that eight AM call with London because you know the time difference or um, it was just it was such a whirlwind but you know I got this promotion and it wasn't it, it just would have been too that it would have probably been more of the end of Johnson Home than like helping me grow as a person because it was stuff that it was going to add in stuff to my job that I wasn't really passionate yeah. about but I mean I would have gotten more money who doesn't love more money yeah. but <laughs> if you don't it would have actually yeah. I really feel like it would have taken me in a direction that I didn't love that particular job I love the Associated Press I love the world of media I'm still like such a media nerd it's not even funny um but that was just I, it was just my point where I was like this isn't gonna I don't think this is gonna help me grow professionally and I and also felt like it was just gonna be since I wasn't gonna go to law school I would have been stuck in that kind of world and I didn't really want to be. So I'm dying to know, and this, this wasn't on my kind of ideas of questions, but and you alluded to it in the last five minutes. What would you say the number one skill that you took away from Associated Press that is now helping you run Don't Sit Home? Because you obviously are part publication, part events, part social media. Like, is there one skill, one tactic, or one lesson learned that you would say it helps you on a I think frequent basis. I think actually not being intimidated to talk to people at all different levels. So you I mean even a lot of people I remember I think it was Katie Hurd and I may be wrong about this, but I remember she had like one quote that was like, you know, everyone should if you want to be successful in business, you should get to work, you know, when the CEO does. And where my desk was, I literally was like right outside the door of the CEO's office and I made sure I asked my boss if it was okay if I could work an hour earlier every day and every single morning there was two CEOs when I worked at Associated Press every single morning we were the only two people in that floor of the office and we we're just talking about kayaking and hiking and stuff like that over coffee and then it comes to the Christmas party and people are like how are you talking to him I'm like he's a person like you treat people obviously you have to be respectful of people at different levels of power but this end of the day you can talk to them and you know have the confidence behind something it it, it goes very well so even I mean with both CEOs I mean I was very I was lucky in my position just because I was younger but the way my position was I just you know like even with like businesses or going to networking events and stuff like I'm, I don't know obviously I don't know many of you but you know some people came here probably by yourself some people came with a friend and it's just knowing to like Kind of be confident, like just try to talk to anyone. If they don't want to talk to you, talk so, to the so next it's, person. <laughs> it's easier to say than do, right? Yeah. And, and I, especially in college and high school, I was very shy. And I think when you become an entrepreneur, you gotta, you can't oh, be intimidated, right? Yeah. I know. It was after a few beers of me. Um, <laughs> liquid courage, but that's a whole other thing. Um, but how, how, there's a lot of people that came by themselves. But how do you, how do you kind of build that confidence? Is it repetition? Is it, is it just, like, what is, what is that one tactic of, because you are super personable, but not everybody's like you, may not talk to the CEO, may not make that phone call, may not, you know, go to that networking event. I mean, 
I don't know, it's hard. Because even like even for me for networking events too, is like I always even try like I mean I go to a lot of and like I get invited as press too for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I always try to make sure I'm also the first one there. Because a lot of people actually Great hate too. that. But if you get there first, you're kinda like forced to have that next person like feels obligated to come up and talk to you. Like you're not like running at that person. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know it's hard it's just like just viewing people as people like you know I mean obviously having the utmost respect for you know what levels of power and stuff but not being afraid like I just went to um I went as press for this North Side Innovation and Music Festival in Brooklyn all last week too and you know even just like the panel of speakers like as soon as they're done like I always try to sit in the front row so I have the first access to talk to people because sometimes speakers even then when they're done like they'll talk to like a couple people and they go away I always, make sure. I always sit in the front row because I want to be the first person that either asks for a card or hands a card and you know they might blow you off but then you follow up or just having that not caring kind of not not caring but like so be know, first. Just, just be first <laughs> for a lot of things, but just not being intimidated. Or just find out, like, people, like, make a, I mean, not just being, like, you know, compliments, you know, like, do something that you can even say or, like, you know, make a comment about drinks or you can only have to talk about work at first, but just try to find that in where it makes you have, like, it's not just, like, work talk right away and it kind of, like, takes some of that stress and the, you know, weirdness away. And then you can go into work. It's like, oh, what do you do? And make a joke about the food or do something, like, you know, try to... A, a great tip, uh, I think, obviously, is there's food or beverage involved, is I always like to tell people, stand at the end of the, be- the bar line, because then when somebody has a drink or food in their hand, yeah. they feel a bit more comfortable versus when they walk in the door, they're, they're you know, kind of scouting, like, what am I about to walk into, versus they have a drink in their hand, they're taking a sip, then you're the first one there to kind of introduce yourself or jump into the conversation. Um, so let's get into the second half of this. So, and I think it just came up on my time hop, but you, this, you left AP three years ago, and... and <laughs> In May, right? Or June? Yeah, three, yeah. So you just celebrated three years anniversary of doing Don't Sit Home Full Time. Yep, I left my first day of being my own boss was June 3rd um, of 2014. So I remember when I gave notice that I was leaving Rutgers University, you were like one of the first ones that I texted. But what was that conversation like with your boss when you were like, was it, was it good? Was it bad? Were you nervous? And how did you build up the, or is there any tactic you would say if somebody is leaving their job that you would offer advice? Because I know you haven't cut... Um, have you cut? You haven't cut ties with AP. No, and I go in all the time and say hi. Um, you know, I, you know, like yeah. I went to the Super Bowl with them, which was pretty yeah. nice. Um, so, what was that they, conversation like with your boss? You know, I prepared for it for so long, so I basically had a playbook ready for them for when I left. So I already did kind of like where I started cleaning out my emails. I started making sure because I knew that they would probably not find a replacement for me right away too. So not going in being like, hey, I'm leaving in two weeks, but like good luck. It's like if you go into that hat being like, look, you know, I've been thinking about this for a long time. This is my opportunity. I mean, for me, it was nicer because I wasn't going to a competitor. Like I was, they were very supportive of me going out to do my own thing because I was very appreciative of the Associated Press. Like I still am to this day. Um, oh my God, now it's my voice. We were talking about like, I lost my voice on Saturday and I still sound like I smoke cigarettes, which I do not. But I was, yeah, I was like, oh God, I thought I was going to wake up today and be okay. But, um, I think just going into that with like kind of a plan to help them not it not be terrible. I mean, granted, there's those people who go and quit. Bye. But if you go in there, if you had respect for where you were, and also do not burn a bridge in general, even if you don't have respect for where you are, like leave, be the bigger person. Leave like as the bigger person to it because you never know. You know what? You never know how someone at that company where they're going to go next. 
So I had, you know, there's so many people. AKA that, the Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I you literally. You can ask a man about that after the interview. Yeah, I, um, I got to watch the Super Bowl from the field, which was not bad because I went into AP to go say, like, hey, you know, I went to lunch with one of, actually, my friend. It's funny because he works this as a press and he wasn't asked to go. And I, I go and, like, hey, do you have any, you know, plus ones for the Super Bowl? Or not for the Super Bowl, sorry. Do you have any press plus ones for any events? And I was, you know, I was like, fingers crossed, maybe a Giants game or something. You know, even just like a lower lower event, and he's like, well, if you can get yourself to Houston, you know, can we need a photo runner? He's like, this isn't a paid thing. But for me, it's like for every opportunity for Don'ts at Home, it gives me credibility of like where I am, what I'm doing, who I meet. And I had full media access for the entire week of the Super Bowl and watched it from the game. But if I had just like thrown my computer across the room and walked out and associated press, I don't think that they would have let me go with that. They knew I would be a proper representation because, you know, I, I love AP. I respect what they do. Um, but I think just even when you have that conversation, just kind of leave, go, even if you hated your boss, be like, you know, it was a pleasure working for you because you never know how when they talk to someone else and they become someone's boss, they might be able to hire you or you might be able to do a partnership or be a client. You never know how like people come in, you know, five, 10 years down there. I mean, obviously I haven't gone that far out of it yet, but you know what? There's people in the media industry that I, you know, I might work with, you know, down the road or it's, it's a funny yeah, world. Yeah. Um, I want to get to the thing you just mentioned about the Super Bowl in a second as far as it, you, almost, you probably paid money, but uh, so what was day one like or the first week? You, so Monday morning or Tuesday morning, you're working for yourself. Oh, I was like at the Super Bowl? Was no, like, no, no, no. Like beer, first day. Like, um, I actually, so I, don't, I live in Hoboken, so I do a lot of things in Hoboken, Jersey City, New York City, and around the area. Um, I live in Hoboken, and there is like a small beach area. And I remember it was just a beautiful day. It was super hot out. And I just woke up and I just went and sat on the beach and just looked at the skyline. I was like, I don't have to be at work. <laughs> like, I can just, I could do my work from here. And I just remember that moment. Like, I took a, I remember I took a selfie and posted it on Dawson at Home. And I was like, I don't, I like, I, you have all those emotions. Like, you woke, like, even for me, that would still, like, I wake up, God, between five and between 5 and 6.30 still every morning, and I've done that mostly since the day I left my job. Um, but I remember I woke up so just, like, I didn't even know what to do with myself. Like, do I go running? Do I, like, you know, do I start answer, like sending emails? Do I start posting on social media? I just had such, like, a rush of emotions, and it was just, yeah. it was such a great feeling. You traded in kind of a to-do list you could get done with to now, like, there's a million things you I could be doing. I literally could never shut my brain off yeah. and still. So that's, like, the one downside to being your own boss is that you literally wake up every morning and you're like, oh, wow. I, like, even IP, I would have, like, a list. And, like, so there's always some things you could do, but sometimes you really finished your work for the day. I don't have that feeling anymore, but it doesn't feel like it. So it's been your own boss. Like, it doesn't feel like work all the time, so... So because your Don't Sit Home is very social media driven, how does that, does it interfere with your work-life balance? Because like tonight, this is an event. Mm -hmm. you, probably, you might be going out something after this. But, so it's almost like whether it's a Saturday morning, uh, a Tuesday night, or a Monday morning, it's a 24-7 thing. Mm -hmm. Do you have a work-life balance or does it feel like now it's just all ingrained into one? Like, or do you, are you able to shut off? Or? I can and I can't. So right now I'm in a point in my business where 
I'm still looking for every opportunity because I'm not huge. I don't have the biggest following. I don't have a long list of clients. I don't, you know, I'm not making millions of dollars. So I'm, and I'm not where I want to be right now. So I kind of, even sometimes like with friends, like they want to go to a place for dinner. I'm like, can we go to a place I haven't been because they could be a potential client or something like that. Or, you know, I say no to a lot of personal things because I want to, I'd rather go to a networking event because that could build my business. Because if I can get myself into a place where I'm happier, then that gives me more of a work-life balance. But I think with my friends too, like I, I do try to have it because you can go insane. Like I said, like last night I was supposed to go to, um, they did like a taste of Bushwick in Brooklyn. It was like, you know, all these different food vendors and stuff. And I emailed the PR girl and I was like, I'm so sorry. I was like, I need to sit home. I was like, I have this event tomorrow. I was like, I, you know, I'm going to have that balance. Um, I mean, it's hard because I just try to turn everything into like, you know, I always try to meet everyone I can, like my friend, I don't know if anyone's seen, what's it, Yes Man with, um, with uh, Jim Carrey, there's a movie where it's like, you know, they're going on like a running photography tour or whatever, and my friend was like, that's you, I'm like, because you never know who you're going to meet, and it might not be that connection at that moment, but down the road, I mean, I still get emails that they're like, I met you three years ago at a networking event. You know, I've been following you on social media and like maybe something I post on social media sparks like an idea for them of how they can partner with me. But it took them three years to email me. Um, or for me, I try to call them favors, but it's, you know, I, I try to find that work-life balance and not always great at it, but I, I, I try. <laughs> you're, you're really embodying what I've been talking about. It's like this, we're, we live in this limitless connection economy, uh, whether it's face-to-face -face or virtually or a little bit of a mix of both. Uh, you can really make a, a city like New York City so much smaller, uh, and whether that's for personal connections or professional benefits or opportunities. Um, what would you, if somebody here in the room was thinking to go from side hustle to full-time, what would be a lesson learned that you've learned in the last three years or a piece of advice? Something you would do differently, something you do the same, or... I mean, I will honestly say I probably left earlier than I should have in with a lot of things. Because, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people do do their side hustles or they leave to do, or, you know, they might even lost their job or something where, you know, they got married and they have, you know, the insurance from, like, you know, your husband or your wife or you have the things. I'm single. I rent my apartment. I, my own insurance. Just basically, I mean, not, well, I mean, I did the insurance thing, right? I also, if your job will allow you, try to leave when it's like June 2nd or like the <laughs> yeah. end of that month because you get that full month of insurance. Um, so I did it too. But like with, I mean, with Obamacare, you know, I made sure, I mean, for me, I made sure that like I signed up during the registration period, but then I told them, I was like, look, I'm probably not leaving. My, my employment's probably not going to end until July. And then when I gave notice, I made sure my two weeks ended like June 3rd so I could have that full um, and which saved me, you know, a few hundred bucks just in general. Um, but just kind of making sure you're really prepared for it. So, um, you know, financially, insurance. A lot of people don't think that insurance matters. It matters because even like, uh, so I, uh, <laughs> I guess I was like, oh, I wonder if I, I want to talk. I, yeah, I know. We don't have to go into it. But so I actually, like, I left my job and I was hit by a car a month later on 34th Street. And I was run over in a hit and run car accident. Literally, like, a month and a week after I left my job. So when people think that you don't need insurance, you definitely do, which I was lucky because I did it correctly. So, um, and that was a big hurdle when I, you know, when that happened, but it, you know, it showed that I was so, so lucky that I did everything right because I could have been stuck with medical bills and, you know, you don't get disability when you quit your job, so. What's been one of the toughest moments of, of running Don't Sit Home or being an entrepreneur or solopreneur? 
moment where I just was like, oh, is this a sign? Like, this is probably not a good idea. Um, I think sometimes it's just like, even like when you have your boss to bounce some ideas off of, like at your, you know, at your employment, it's, you always feel you have someone. Um, it can be, it can, like on, being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely world. Um, I would agree. It can be a very lonely world. Um, but like, you know, spaces like we work, or I work out of a co-working space in Hoboken, um, it's nice to have that, you know, that community that you can bounce ideas off of too. And then let's see, Kevin and his wife have been so supportive of me since day one when I was doing it. And just even like talking to someone who's going through something similar or my parents are my rocks. Like, you know, I'll send, I'll be, you know, I do a lot of my own contract work and I'll be like, hey, mama, you have time later? Can you read this? Just to, you know, reassure it. Cause you can, you can set, second guess yourself a lot and like, it, that can be that can be very yeah, tough. so kind of having a building your own support system yeah. around you so because it's just a different one you have your coworkers and stuff too or you can you know you can have your coworkers and you know go out for drinks afterwards and i was like i was just crashing other people's happy yeah. hours <laughs> the thing i noticed at least and, and and like you said we both kind of bounce stuff off of each other but uh like you talk about like the networking piece and you're always kind of on and you never know who you're going to meet yeah. i've struggled with that because i feel like uh when I worked you know, for Rutgers and for other organizations, like going out to lunch on a Thursday afternoon, you can be yourself, right? Yeah. But when you're out to lunch with a potential network or like a potential colleague, like you can't, it's, you're always kind of on and you can never really are able to shut off and just be yourself. Yeah. Uh, and I think that can get tough sometimes. What role has social media played? And has there been a platform that you've succeeded with more? Oh, it's made others? everything. It's done everything for me. So what's nice is that I don't have the biggest following, but I've been, it really launched. What's your following? I think last time I looked, Instagram. You have almost ten thousand followers. I'm, I'm over ten on Instagram. I, I have like I think almost fourteen on Facebook. I like five on Twitter. I don't even know Snapchat, but um, but the thing is, like for me, I remember one moment because I didn't know. I, it's just when people actually started coming up to me and actually recognizing me, being like, "Oh my God, you're the Dawn's at Home girl," and be like. Oh, yeah, you follow me. Like, yeah. Or, you know, one time it was like a Saturday morning and I went for a run and I got a tweet and it was like from the mayor of Hoboken. And I was like, enjoy your run. I'm like, the mayor follows me? That's weird. <laughs> She's stopped. I'm like, that's weird. I'm like, okay. Because I was like, I remember hearing my phone go off and I'm like, what? Like, who is this? And I'm like, oh, okay. And then I started getting, you know, even when, it, when I actually left my job, I got, left my job in June and then that March, um, the city of Hoboken are, you know, nominated me and I got recognized for Women's History. I got a proclamation for Women's History Month. I got a citation which, from Hudson County, which I didn't know it was like a positive citation, but apparently it's like a, it's like a big certificate. And like, but, but you know, it's like I never, I never thought like that. And I would, that would actually, the, the city connection was all through Twitter. So even now, obviously, like Instagram and, you know, a lot of people, there's big, you know, I go to all these events and it's like a ton of like, in, you know, influencers and they have way bigger followings than I do on Instagram and stuff. But I love the fact that I've kind of been slow and steady through the race on all different platforms because I've genuinely made, you know, client connections, personal connections, like everything from every different platform. And now when people come up to me, I just, they'll be like, oh my God, you're done at home. Or they'll be like, oh my God, you're the girl I follow on Snapchat. Or they like, I ask them what they're following me on because there are still people that follow me on, you know, either all individual platforms or they follow me on everything. Mm -hmm. well so. What would your advice be to um, a solopreneur, side hustle, or maybe even organization? Because I, I know a lot of people I work with, they're like, 
we can only, we're only doing Facebook, we're only doing Twitter, and like what you just alluded to. Some people might get, some some people might uh, get their content from Snapchat or Facebook or a blog or video. So how did you as a solopreneur manage all of this? Because that, that, that I know of, you don't really have a team, like you don't really have any interns, no, so like, this is all yeah, you. Yeah, that's my, that's my, I'll say that is my flaw, is that I'm like, I'm very, not controlled, but I think because I came from like the intellectual property and copyright background stuff too, is it's like I see the mistakes that other people do and I never want to do something wrong. Like, I mean, a lot of people probably don't know, even YouTube got really, you know, big because they were taking all of Viacom's videos, well then they got bought by Google and they don't have to worry about legal fees for the rest of their life. I don't think that Google's gonna buy Don'ts at Home, so I'm gonna be okay with just doing everything properly. <laughs> but I wanna make sure, you know, it's hard when you give control to someone else too, you know, doing that. Yeah. Um, but with Cause social- it's your brand, you, you build a personal brand for yourself. Yeah. So that's why like, I mean, even with social media, cause some people just wanna do, um, some people just wanna do Instagram, some people just wanna do, you know, Facebook, you know, we were talking about it earlier. Um, you know, so a lot of people hate Twitter now. and. You know, one thing, my actually my biggest social media advice though, if you're if anyone's trying to do a side hustle or do anything like that, if you come up with a name, obviously make sure it's like you're not going to infringe on someone's trademark because the last thing you want to have to do is change your brand if you start to build something. So that's why, like, I searched everything for don'ts at home and I trademarked it myself. But I also to make sure, like, on every social media platform that you can get the same kind of handle for everything. So even a lot of people think it's don't sit at home, but it's don't sit home because that can be that was my Twitter handle, it was my Instagram handle, it was my YouTube. And make sure you reserve every single thing. Like Snapchat, I reserved it before I even thought I was going to use it, but I didn't want someone else to use it and use it for something completely different. But I think it's, I mean, it's hard when you're by yourself, but I think it's important to to treat all of those platforms individually because when people are, tweet, are tweeting their or Instagram but sending it to Twitter or Facebook and sending it, you're losing all those potential people because no one's going to follow you to see like four words and a link to like Facebook. So I'll just follow you on Facebook. I'm not going to care about your Twitter, but you can break up the noise. I mean, as I said, like, you know, there's a lot of social media lessons with this current, you know, presidential thing. And, but not, not to be political, but everyone keeps, you know, talking about Twitter. It's because everyone's on it. Like if you go to one of those trending hashtags, all those people are on Twitter. I always say like, why are you just sending a link? Break up the noise. Like, go off. Like, find one of those. Find one of those. You know, trending hashtags or something, and break up that noise. Because if you're not doing something that's trash, you know, bashing the president or something political or anything, and you're trying to do something that's positive, people will feed off of that, and it's it's a way to actually you know get attention from different people. That's great advice. I have one more question. I just want to get into three rapid fire questions. And what we always do is like turn over to the audience and ask some questions. Uh, and then obviously we'll be here for some kind of informal Q&A while we drink some more wine. But uh, the and last question before, before rapid fire is um, what, what I would really want to know, and if you'd be willing to talk about it, is there might be people out here that want to create an events business, a publication business, um, whatever it might be. What's the practicality behind it, right? Because like you alluded to, you need to bring in money. So what, what's the business model behind it, if you don't mind sharing, um, like... Some of, the, some of the ways you work with brands or restaurants or uh, events? I wouldn't follow anything that I do, honestly. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I don't, you know, I, because like, you know, a lot of people come up to me and they ask me for my, well, no, I wouldn't say that. Um, a lot of people come up to me and they ask me for my media packet or stuff like that. But my, actually, my biggest advice is to, I always like to talk to people first. So even like, I know it's hard to understand even what I do, but you know, I do social media, I'm an influencer, so people pay for advertising and through my, through all my platforms. 
people actually pay me to come to their events because they know people reach out to me as a source of things to do and they would want me to come. I mean, I, it's not everything that's things. I'm very authentic. So, I mean, I don't get paid for everything that's on my social media. I don't get paid for everything I go to. Sometimes I'm just like, this is a great restaurant. I just want people to know you about need, it. need like a free dinner. Yeah, yeah you like. know, and it's like, it depends. Actually, I brought, <laughs> I brought Bridget to a dinner in Jersey City once. Um, but it's, you know, it's fair. <laughs> but, you know, it's about, you know, I always treat everyone individually. I always like to try to like have a meeting or talk to them and see the ways, like I try to have that conversation with them to see how I can spark an idea. So like I have, you know, base, you know, base packages and stuff like that. But I really like to see, like tailor everything. It's probably more time consuming because I'm very, I should probably just have this standard media packet and send it to, but a lot of people don't like all those options. Something people like that personal, like I'm like, hey, like I had a meeting with this hotel that wants to do some advertising through me. They want me to do some concierge work and they want me to do some event planning. But in her email and the first conversation I had with her, I didn't get, I always thought they wanted to, you know, do a couple of different like little advertising things. And as we were talking, we really thought about like story takeovers on their social media and like really trying to develop something. So, um, I don't know. I just, yeah. Is there something, Sorry, com kinda, like, on is there something companies have done that you're like, mm, I don't want to work with you or have they approached like, or do they not understand your worth or is there something? Cause I feel like, on the flip side, there might be companies that want to work with people like you, but they're doing it wrong or they're approaching well, it wrong. Well, I think that I think, you know, the power of social media in general, because I also, I'll run, I do consulting, I do, I run other people's social media accounts, I do event planning, concierge services, so not just everything through my Don'ts at Home platforms. But I think that even still now, a lot of people underestimate the power of social media and the money that they should be putting into the social media aspect instead of print ads. So not that I'm saying that print ads aren't okay or billboards and stuff like that, but, you know, honestly, I look at a magazine and I throw it away. I see a thing on, you know, Instagram. I'm tagging in my friend. I want to go to dinner. So, you know, you have two eyes because I'm not, I'm not ripping out a piece of a magazine or something and handing it to someone. It's just not going to happen. Um, but I think also the power of, you know, I've struggled with clients who don't want to spend money to have someone run their social media. But if it's done well, it's time consuming. Like, I, you know, you really, like, if you're going to tweet, Facebook, do everything, I do, you know, I take all my own photos, and you're sitting there editing the caption, making sure you get all the tags. And actually, I'll go back to my other point of that the biggest advice is seriously, like, if you're doing anything, have the same handles. Because, you know what, for me, I'm so, you know, I'm so, you know, pressed for time. I'm not going to try to figure out what your Twitter handle is if it's different. Like, or, you know, I want to be able to tag in or have you search. I don't want to... I, no underscore, nothing, or I'm like, I, you know, because you want to, yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, I have three kind of quick questions. You can take as long as you want to answer them. But okay. Okay. So I asked you what, uh, like, as a, sh a struggle has been, what has been your proudest moment now that you've been on your own for three years? Or like an accomplishment you've seen or been proud of? Mm. Actually, you know, so I was talking to someone in my co-working space yesterday because, she, you know, she was saying, she was talking to me about kind of like my struggles and stuff and proudest moments. But I think even actually in October, it was, um, it was women in October is women in small business month or women in business month or whatever. But the mayor of Hoboken actually asked me and another blogger, if we could think of three women owned businesses and we would go around and giving them awards. So I was like, I think for me being like, you know, I got that award, so you right? But like I had gotten that award, you know, God, I mean, a few months after I had started it full time, um, but then having asked to, you know, honor other people that are, you know, working just as hard and stuff, I thought that was a very cool moment for 
you know, someone caring that I was giving them an award because I never thought anyone would care anything about it. No big deal. No big deal. Yeah. Uh, what is there? Somebody that you somebody that you would like to thank for getting you here, or has there been a memorable ex experience that has gotten you here? And whether that was in college, high school, childhood, work. I mean, I think two. Well, my parents are just in general. You know, I mean, it is, it's, it's hard when you are single by yourself and you don't know if you should do it because you're worried about financial stability. Or even when I got hit by the car, I was like, Jesus, this is not going to go well. Um, but, you know, my parents, even when I was going back and forth to do it, they we will support, you know, we don't think that you're going to need it, but we will, you know, we have your back. I mean, I'm 33, so it's not like, you know, I'm refreshed out of college being like, oh, I can get a summer job. You know, this was... This was my life. I left, you know, it was a huge risk to leave the Associated Press. I think that's why I get a little bit more respect for what I did because I didn't get laid off and go like, hey, I'll try this for fun to kill some time. Like, I, you know, I had, it was a very thought out decision. Um, so my parents are absolutely my rocks. You know, I mean, I, you have your ups and downs being an entrepreneur or what I do. Or, I mean, also I'm a very public person, which, you know, some days you don't want to be and you have to because I have to push the post that photo that I did in an event or you have to be kind of on all the time or if someone recognizes you, you have to have that conversation. Um, and it can, it can be sometimes like you, you know, I, training. It, it's training. It's, you're always on. I mean, I do love it and I would never give it up for the world, but you know, not, not every day with any job, it's not always great. Um, and my parents are the ones, you know, they can, you know, they can decompress with or, you know, kind of be like, do you think this looks okay? Or, you know, even when I got run over by a car and maybe gained a few pounds. So I was like, oh, do we look terrible in this photo? Um, and then um, my old boss from Associated Press, because if she didn't give me that chance, like I was between two jobs and one of the jobs was actually doing trademarks for uh, a cosmetics company. And if I had taken that job, my world would have been so pigeonholed and so small. Like it would have been in cosmetics doing trademarks and never having an opportunity to step out or like see other aspects of the world. I mean, the amount of people I worked with with Associated Press, you know, it was just great. And she was so willing to teach me. So Laura Malone Muir, she was wonderful to me when I was there. Awesome. Um, but yeah, for giving me that chance because, you know, even my friend was working on a resume today. And she's like, I don't know what else to add. And like, I know what she does for a job. And I was like, well, I know you run events. I know you do, you're running the social, you're doing marketing. I was like, put all these things because if you can get your foot in the door and you have that personal conversation with someone, you can really, you know, it's, you can win them with the conversation. Make sure your resume gets you in the door and then if you can just be personable or really try to sell yourself, not just if you know them, but if you can you'll be willing to learn, it can get you a long way. Awesome. Uh, favorite experience in college at FDU? Oh. Ooh. Honestly, I loved, I loved playing softball. I mean, it was just my, it was what I loved to do. I mean, even after college, actually, like my last hurrah in like competitive softball is I got asked to play on the team that went to Australia. So like literally graduated from college that. and like oh. a week later, mm -hmm. I got to go play in the Olympic Stadium, which was amazing. Um, and then studying abroad. Actually, outtakes of the two trips, like Costa Rica with Marty. Um, that was such a cool experience because it was 11 of us staying in Costa Rica for 11 days. Um, we, were, you know, we were staying in houses in the rainforest, and it's just such a different experience. It had nothing to do with legal or political science at all, like, but it was great. And then when I studied abroad in England, I think I remember literally crying when the bus came because I didn't want to go home. Not that I didn't miss my parents, so I didn't have, couldn't tell them that, but it's just such a different experience, you know, living in the culture of another, you know, yeah. just being away. And, so. Cool. And the last question I generally always close on is what would you tell 
uh, 22-year-old Amanda who had just uh, graduated college? To have more confidence because it's, I never in a million years thought I would be like, I mean, obviously I'm not famous or anything, but I never in a million years thought that the day when I graduated college that people would be caring about my opinion or asking to work with me. I mean, even so one flaw about too is that a lot of people I've worked with, I haven't gone to them, they've come <coughs> to me. And I just never thought in a million years that people would be, you know, inviting me to come to their restaurant, asking me how, you know, how is their menu or their cocktails or, you know, asking me about brands or, you know, products or, you know, wanting, like, caring about my opinion. I just... 22-year-old me would not have thought that I would be, You're an influencer. you know, I would have thousands of people, like, watching my life, yeah. which is bizarre, but it's, yeah. That's awesome. Amanda, thank you so much. Please give it up for my friend Amanda. Uh, I thought it was a very in-depth conversation. What would, you, what would you like to ask Amanda while we have her? Oh, you did? Oh. And I loved just the whole idea of this event. I want to know, has your mission changed from when you started to now? And I know you continue to reference, like, you would like to be further than you are now. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what does that look like? Like, what would be, I know, of course, we always think, like, financially, but, like, what does that look like? Well, well, I will say that, actually, Hurricane Sandy was I don't want this to sound wrong. It was like the best thing that could have happened for me changing the way I thought about things is because even for Hoboken, so the Hoboken, the trains were out and, you know, you, you know, a lot of people weren't going downtown anymore. There's all these smaller businesses that, you know, needed attention. So even before I even had that idea more of like focusing and trying to highlight the best things that certain businesses had to offer, I was doing it through my personal Facebook page. And I remember my one friend, she kept joking because I kept being like, hey, follow, you know, the city of Hoboken's Facebook page because they're a great source of information or this place is open or like really being able to learn how I can highlight those, you know, those different qualities or different, you know, those like different facts or maybe facts or maybe like they have a, you know, you know, Hurricane Sandy was a sad time for a lot of people. And it's like, look, there's a great happy hour down the street. Like you should go do that. Or these, you know, I saw a lot of businesses close and I think, you know, for me is that it's not just about the money too. It's like, I really want to highlight the best, you know, there is. And even like, I won't, I still like, I won't take like a client that I don't think is actually a good thing. I'm very authentic. I won't, you know, like some things I do for free. I won't, you know, I don't even just say like, Hey, I'll post to do you a favor. Like I want to stay true to that audience. But I think I've learned and not really kind of like different focus, but I think I just learned that it was a great tool to kind of show the best there is. Or even I had, you know, I, before when I'm not injured, <laughs> um, I'm very active and you just running and stuff too. Like I just learned that the way you can truly inspire people to go out and one of actually my like dear friends she um she you know and she started following me when she first moved to Hoboken and she even just started you know working out a lot and she lost a lot of weight and you know I've done I did a soul cycle class with her and it's just nice that you can I don't know I kind of focused at that I just wanted to be able to highlight the best there is in just all aspects of life and just you know businesses in general but I don't know I kind of like before she's like I'll just like you know focus on my life and I'll be be able to do advertising, but really caring about like the backstory about these businesses or why they did it. Um, because you know, like I have a story about my business. A lot of these people did the same thing. Like I go to these events all the time, and I hear, you know, this, you know, even the guy on Wall Street who hated it. You know, he opened up a sandwich shop or you know a product line or something like that. And it's, so I'm trying to make it more that it's 
not just, I'm not just trying to sell you something. I'm trying to give you like a full, like all around experience and to help the people who are doing the same kind of thing as I am. So, so you want to continue? I want to continue it. I, I just want to, I want to grow it. I want to be able to, even I want to, I want to grow cities too, because I like to travel and, um, so I, I, I want to just expand the, the types of businesses that I work with because they're really like under like the don'ts at home umbrella. There really isn't something that I can't do. Like, I mean, even for me personally, like you'll catch me on a paddleboard, you'll catch me at a horse race, you'll catch me at a dive bar to a five-star restaurant. Um, I want to just keep expanding and trying to find like all the cool things that people, because a lot of people, I mean, I get, people ask me questions all the time or they'll, they'll message me being like, oh, I didn't know how that was, but now that I saw you do it, I want to try it too, or you know, a lot of people don't do things by themselves, and I'll be, and I'll be like perfectly honest, be like, went to this event, it was great, you didn't have to be with someone, or sometimes my mom goes, who took a photo of you? I'm like, a security guard, like, <laughs> literally, I'm like, I like, but then they hate me, because I'm like, can you get that sign, and like, get my feet, but like, not that person in the background, and they're like, oh my god, I'm so remember sorry. Remember father has to take pictures of Oh my god, I remember I went to a press event at the UN, because it's also nice that I can be pressed for certain events too, and um, and that is just because I just want to just expand my network and just if content that I can bring because I'm going to re I'm relaunching my website again which um, got put back but I remember this like grumpy security guard at the UN I was like asking all these questions and I was like oh my god I'm so sorry he's like no no he's like you're lucky you're pretty and I was like, <laughs> like it was like for the fact that he made like a joke it was it was funny because you you know just talk to anyone it's fun one or two more questions go ahead It should be. It, it, honestly, you should because I think a lot, a lot of people aren't. And I, you know, I mean, even photos and stuff too. Like a lot of people think you can just repost a photo and just as long as you give credit, and that's not the case. Or people are like, oh, once you put it on Instagram, you don't own it anymore. Yes, you do. You absolutely do. So even just being like trying to find that balance. I mean, you can quote anything. You can. You, but also, if you're ever going to want to use someone's photo. Ask them for permission. I say get everything in writing. So even if you want to use a part of maybe someone else's article and you're trying to talk about it or anything, make sure you get an email form. Being like, hi, and, and it could sound like, you know, very simple being, hi, I just want to confirm that you're going to give me full permission to actually use this section of this article with this photo or anything. So a lot of companies, I mean, for me it's right now is I'm in that balance where, you know, someone has a huge following and they repost my photo and they tag me in it. That's free marketing for me. And I'm okay. But, you know, sometimes people, but a lot of times I know like the W, they have a, you know, worldwide policy that if they want to repost your photo, the person must um, send them a message on Instagram saying, hey, we love your photo. Do you, Would you give us permission to actually use this? But And I always say yes, but with credit or no you know, I, I, I say no to some people, too, because there's certain things you don't want to be associated with. Um, but I, I would just be careful. But you can you can quote, you know, certain amounts of articles and stuff. And it's, you know, it's, it's hard because sometimes you're like, is that someone else's idea? And you, and you can paraphrase, too. But um, as long as you can just 
try not to make it word for word and you give the credit, it's, yeah, so it's a hard, because fair use is a very hard thing to, um, you can't really define it because a lot of different, um, there's a lot of different definitions of it, so. Sometimes I may not even be aware. Yeah. Well, I would say, like, one of my, well, I mean, it's even, like, I'm not a lawyer, so please don't say, you know, it's not the thing that it's, but, you know, actually, I worked on a really big case, so it was, um, the Associated Press was, um, versus this company called Meltwater, and it was, like, one of the biggest things, I worked on an AP, and it was two years of my life, I say, like, two years of my life, and, like, 20 pounds, because it was, you know, a lot of work, um, but that was an interesting thing, because now, obviously, we ingest news differently, or different, you know, um, so t sometimes, like, people just read the headline and go on. You know, you don't really need to actually read that full article and stuff, so you always be conscious, like, even if you're taking, you know, information, like, if it's for writing, how much content you're taking from and the size of the article. So if you're, you know, taking, you know, if you're quoting one little part, but you're talking about other things, and the article is, like, super long, you know, that's different than maybe the article is, you know, a headline in three sentences, and that's the article. So if you take two of the three sentences, there could be a different issue. So always be conscious about, like, how long an article is. And with, if you're ever going to use someone else's photo, it does not matter if it's in Google Image, because someone might have, someone else might have put it even in Google Image. Like, you know, you never, you can save photos off of social media platforms. So I don't even trust stock photography anymore, because I would, I've seen so many disasters happen, because that stock photographer took all their photos from other different photographers and they didn't have the rights to give it to other people. So, I mean, mistakes are going to happen and you know, you might not get in trouble, but I always try to preach to try to do everything as right as possible. So. Cool. Uh, one last question before we round it out and before we, uh, we'll go, we'll go to, go, no, we'll go, we'll go you. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Oh, that's like my day every day. I yeah, literally, I just had that in my co-working space today. I was like, oh, wow, I didn't intend to. So when you, like, how do you just structure your time so that you're actually accomplishing what you want to accomplish? I honestly just, like, even a pen and paper to-do list. Like, I literally, even I, I sat with someone the other day, and I'm, like, actually, you know, designating, like, you know, different events. And so I'm like, I'm three phones. Um, you know, I just, I try to balance it where I don't get too many ideas. I really try to focus, like maybe this week I'm doing, you know, even just trying to work on new business and a certain type of field and I try to balance it out. Some things overlap. Um, it's hard because, you know, ever say you have a million ideas, it can really get you side, you know, off track. But sometimes when you have all those different ideas, they somehow weirdly in your mind all merge together where they overlap. So when a lot of people, I think a lot of people say you should only stick to certain things, I kind of, I like that balance. Like I like some weeks where I'm just trying to even work on new business or I'm thinking about like food and restaurants and that kind of stuff. Then like I get into like a fitness mentality and I'm trying to see what I can work with that or I want to start like more travel stuff or um, but then, you know, it works because then someone in the food, you know, in the food world that's here might, you know, have be like, give you an idea for somewhere, you know, in a different, um, 
area, but I'm just kind of like, I'm a pen and paper list person because that keeps me balanced. And even now I'm trying to, cause it's hard for me too. Cause sometimes people will be like, Oh, can you come to this event in an hour? And so I got to pick up my bag and go, but I'm trying to make sure I, you know, I set out certain blocks of time, like going to answer emails this time. I'm going to send potential emails at this time. And I like, maybe the times kind of get distorted from me having to go to an event or anything, but I still try to block out that I'm very focused on, you know, certain aspects that I want to think about. So. Last question. Go ahead, Joanna. Um, did, you mentioned a, a couple of different revenue streams, mm -hmm. like um, advertising and people paying to go to certain places. Did you strategize your revenue streams? They've evolved for the beginning because that's why really like when I started, people started offering to pay me. I they were I was getting offered to be paid in ways that I never thought about. So even like concierge work when I was like trying to do some planning for people, you know, I had this one person email me and he said, you know, he's like I. You know, I paid $200, or we just had a new baby. I paid $200 for this babysitter. I would, you know, if I'm going to spend that money on that, I'm going to pay you to plan the perfect day for me and my wife to have this. And I never would have thought to have that even as a service. But people are liking the fact that I had a unique curation of ideas because, you know, a lot of people live in this area, but they don't want to go to the top of the Empire State Building. They don't want to get in Times Square. I mean, I never want to eat in Times Square. But, like, but, but you know what I mean? Like, they wanted something different. So, like, that's something I really didn't think about but people are seeing my pattern of like the stuff I was posting and they're like well or I come to New York all the time in business that's something I never thought about um, I never when I said like I never thought people would actually care about me going to places you know people do and not everything I mean definitely not everything is paid some things it's pro bono and stuff um, but no some people do because they know that people reach out to me and what am I going to suggest? The things I've experienced. It's not going to just be, I mean, I will say that I heard something's good or maybe something's in like a different area um, that I haven't been to and be like, oh, well, I know I had a friend go to that restaurant or, you know, try that class or go to that park or something like that. But um, so I think it's been a balance of both. So then now it's been working with, you know, talking with different clients about the kind of needs. When I say that, when I talk to them first before I send them the proposals and the media packets, it's kind of hearing what they need and me figuring out how I can work with them. And but the, the, the hardest part, though, has been thinking about time because a lot of people don't have a concept of how time-consuming social media is. And it's even when you're an entrepreneur, you can undersell yourself a lot. And you're like, oh, I'm spending a ton of time on this, and I'm really not getting paid that much money. Um, but some things I just do it because maybe I'm not getting paid that much money, but it's giving me the experience that the next time I could be like, you're gonna, I, like, I'm going to do this. You need to pay me this much because it took you know so much time the last time. So it's been a little bit of balance of both. That's why at the beginning I really was not sure of how I was going to do it. I mean, I'm still still trying to figure it out because there's no set playbook for what I'm doing, um, and it's yeah, and it's always changing because tomorrow could be the next Instagram. I'm going to figure out how to use that and incorporate it into my business. So that's why when that's why I also say when people only you know focus on a certain social media platform. You never know. I mean, even like you look at MySpace, you look at Vine. There was all these people like on Vine doing videos. And then, you know, Instagram is killing Snapchat and stories right now. I mean, I still keep it because you never know if Snapchat's going to make some sort of comeback. Um, I mean, they're still popular and I still have people following me. But they, I mean, I they think they've been slacking on yeah. their additions now. But uh, so you never know what it's going to change like tomorrow. So it's, you know, it's different every day.
And some, you allude to it in the conversation. Sometimes you just do stuff for exposure too. Oh yeah, it's experience, absolutely. exposure, it's money. But at the same time, you are worth something. So whether that's time, exposure, or money. Well, that's so. what I mean. I, go, I get invited by a lot of PR agencies a lot in the city and stuff too. I mean, I should be four thousand pounds because I eat and drink basically every day of ridiculous, not healthy things. Um, but it, you know, for some of that too, it's like even the exposures to other influencers or just um, you know those restaurants because maybe that restaurant is just like a meal where I'm just taking a bunch of pictures and eating with some influencers, but maybe down the road they, they want to do a partnership or they want me to help plan an event or do an event. Like there's always, I'm always trying to make that connection, whether it's paid now and turn to something later or it's just the exposure and it just helps find that next client. Cause some people go, Oh, I saw you at that event. I saw you work with that PR company. You never know. Yeah. Um, I'd like to wrap it. I don't want to keep people too long, but obviously we're going to be here for at least another 15, 20 minutes mingling, cleaning up. Uh, I know Amanda obviously shared a lot of your story, so thank you. Give it up for Amanda one more time. And again, thank you so much for coming out. I never know who's going to fill these seats, and uh, they do take a little bit of effort, but obviously I'd like to also thank Bridget and Matt. They're part of our team. We also have a team down in D.C. that plans these, so thank you guys. For July and August, we are actually not doing any events. We're taking the, those two months off. We're coming back to New York City on September 25th to interview uh, Mary Johnson, who works for HBO in corporate social responsibility. Uh, we're still not sure if we're going to do that at HBO or do it at a WeWork, but that'll be our next one. And uh, kind of what we're doing this summer is we're looking to take all these interviews and cut them up and redistribute them to the community, uh, as well as uh, kind of bring you guys together as well. So any way that you want to connect with us, uh, feel free to reach out. And uh, we'll be doing a little bit more uh, stuff between now and the end of the year, and we're working on one other project that you'll probably hear about towards uh, Thanksgiving time. So... Again, thank you guys so much for coming out. And any way you can uh, want to connect with me or Amanda, feel free to grab our business card or follow us on any social media platform. I forgot my business card, yeah. so it's but at Don't at Home. <laughs> so on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you can find me anywhere. But Don't Sit Home and Don'tSitHome.com um, is the best way to get reach cool. out to me. So. Thank you guys. Enjoy your summer here in New York City. Thank you.